Sometimes you gotta stay in, in. Welcome to my Good morning, everybody. This is Peter the Matters, Car Radio 97, 3 FM in the great state of Seattle. We got a great show for you here again today. We haven't had these guys on since uh, it's been last summer, I think about June. We got our good friends and sponsors from State Town Electric or it's State Town Services, I guess. They do a whole bunch of stuff. Because this winter, we're going to be talking about all kinds of uh, heating. And that would include furnaces and that includes heat pumps, things like that. We're going to have a good discussion with these guys. We've got uh, Cody Martin on there with me. Uh, Cody, how are you doing? I'm doing wonderful, man. Thanks for having us on. Yeah, it's good to have you on, man. And then we got uh, Matt Ryder as well. Uh, Matt, how are you doing? Doing good, sir. Thank you. Good. Well, it's good to have you two guys on. We'll have a good discussion here. Um, guys, make sure you grab a pen and paper because I'm going to give you their website as well as their phone number. A lot of you guys, we're in the wintertime now, and I know we just had a big snow blow uh, not too long ago. And uh, we're in that cold, whether it's snowing or raining, it's cold. <laughs> and we need to keep, keep our houses warm, which means a lot of you guys need to really think about uh, having them come out. We're going to talk about furnace service first. And then we'll talk about, hey, if your furnace is near end of life, we're going to ask, especially Cody, about that. Like, well, how do I even know? If it's getting near end of life, what are the signs? And then I'm going to talk about what's near and dear to my heart, guys. You, If you've heard my shows in previous years, I love heat pumps. These guys do those, too, as well. We're going to discuss that. Uh, but let's start. Um, <clears throat> I want to talk about just kind of furnace service. And, Cody, just to start with kind of a general question. Like, what's the typical life of a furnace? How many years does it last? That's a really good question. So there's all kinds of different um, answers, you know, depending on where you go. We would say somewhere between 12 and 15 years is pretty average lifespan of a furnace that's been, you know, anywhere remotely taken care of. A lot of people don't like to change their filters and things like that that or don't know that the furnace even has a filter so yeah. that would you know <laughs> you don't you, you don't prolong the life of it so much you know with that information but um yeah 12 to 15 years is pretty average you know they, yeah. there's different brands and things like that that doesn't make the biggest difference but there's some contractor brands out there that are you know you call them 10-year pieces of equipment for the most part and if you get any more than that then then you're doing good. Um, and, and then, you know, there's systems that go for 20, 25 years, uh, but you're definitely on some bot, bot time there. Okay. And that's actually, if you have a good furnace, good design, and you're doing maintenance and take care of it on a yearly basis too, I would imagine. That's correct. Yeah. yeah. So that's why we're, that's why we're talking about this because guys, here's the thing. If you do take care of your furnace, just like you take care of your car and change the oil and you don't run it into the ground. If you take care of your furnace and, and you have these guys come out and do servicing, there is a good chance you can extend the life of of your uh, of your of your furnace, which they're not cheap to replace. We're going to get into that as well. Um, now, Cody, I want to ask you a little bit too. Uh, when furnaces start going, there are some safety and health hazards that are related to that. Can you speak to that and kind of what people should watch out for there? Yeah. So the biggest thing, you know, with the furnace that's going to be upwards in age uh, is emitting CO, you know, and CO yeah. is the, uh, they call it the silent killer, you know, because uh, you can't smell it. You can't hear it. You can't see it. There's nothing about it um, that you can detect, you know, um, the most common side effects of it 
on the you know lower end of things is uh, kind of headaches, nausea, fatigue, things like that. Right. Well, a lot of the times, especially you know in times like now, cold outside and things, people are already kind of feeling that sometimes. So how do you know? You know, yeah. and um, it's even it's even code mechanical code to have a CO detector on each floor of your home, um, mostly for that reason. Um, so it's a serious thing, you know, um, carbon monoxide, uh, is especially in gas and propane systems, you know, oil systems, but you know, we're predominantly, a lot of people have gas furnaces here and, um, that's one of the biggest risks is the CO for sure. Well, and that is a huge problem too, because now with propane, you can smell it, right? Because they're putting in the, the stuff that smells like rotten eggs with natural gas. You can't really smell it. Yeah, 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 totally. And they put mercaptan in gas as well, you know, but the, but you're not selling that coming out of the heat exchangers, you know, as you're talking about burned gases. So you don't really, you don't notice it as much as you think you would. Right. Matt, I got to ask you a question on, as Cody brought up the, the uh, carbon monoxide detectors. And I know um, your background is, and we're going to talk about you guys' background here in just a second, but I want to ask this question while we're in the middle of this. Do you, for carbon monoxide detectors, do you guys wire in the monoxide detectors or do you just recommend a plug-in one as an electrical standpoint? It'll vary. Um, There's a lot of houses that we do uh, complete rewires on. And a lot of times we're doing hard wires up the whole thing. But then there's other houses too that are, we might only be touching like one floor of the house. So we only have access like maybe the basement. Yet we need to bring that whole house up to code. So before we go, we might do a combination between hardwired and wireless ones that can talk to each other. So you have a hardwired device in your basement and then with that we might be touching and you might be have a third or fourth story bedroom that we need or a floor that we need to have one in and they can all go off as if they were all hardwired, but they're not technically hardwired. So it's a combination on the, on the answer that to that to the question. Yeah, well, that's a, and that's a great one. Now that I brought up one thing um, is, so you, you're saying the hardwired carbon monoxide detector, and then you have wireless ones that talk to, when you say talk to, what do you mean by that? So like the hardwired one, um, like every hardwired smoke detector or carbon monoxide detector has a battery and it has the hardwired connection from the power to, from the house. Right. And then the battery's in there in case power goes out, it can still work. Part of the wiring from the house has a communication wire that goes from the first smoke detector to the second and third and fourth and fifth. And if the fifth one goes off, they all go off. Right. Okay. And then in this case, what's happening is the one or multiple might be hardwired and then you might need to get to a floor that you weren't planning on doing any work in. That's kind of hard to convince the customer to punch a bunch of holes in their house for yeah. a detector that they may or may not want, but we need to right. do for safety. So the one that's wireless is battery only. However, it's able to wirelessly signal to each other as if they were hardwired. Okay. Got it. So it's still just as safe as a hardwired device. Some people also still use the plug-in style that just go like in the hallway. Um, the only limitation with that is, and they're still better than nothing for sure. Yeah. Uh, but the only limitation of that one is that one individual device might be going off, but then another device might not be. And if it's put in a not very ideal location, it might not be very effective. Got it. So that's kind of a safety. It's really a factor of safety is what you're talking about there. Yeah. And it's, it's has to do more with the, you know, heating side of the gas and the propane. Right. However, us electricians tend to have to be the one to take care of it. Yeah. But speaking of electricians, I'm glad you said that because um, we kind of jumped into the show here. I do. You, you're talking a lot about electrical and, and devices and systems. Could you just spend a couple of minutes, Matt, and give your background on kind of what your expertise is at, at C-Town? 
Yeah, yeah. So I'm a licensed O2 uh, journeyman electrician. Uh, I've been with the company now six years. Uh, I got here within the first year of existence. And um, all I've ever done is work uh, retrofitting and service work here in the Seattle region. So all I've ever personally touched are Seattle homes. Um, so we know them really, really well. And, uh, you know, we've, we kind of know the ins and outs of a lot of them, which is why we're able to do uh, really good work without doing, you know, horrible amounts of damage if we can help it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. And I, I'll tell you what, big shout out to you and all the other journeyman electricians and plumbers out there. You guys do great work. And I'll tell you guys, if you're going to do stuff like this, do not fool around. You should be hiring a company like this that has journeyman electricians on staff. They go through a lot of training, a lot of certification, testing, and out in the field work that they have to do. So, Matt, thank you for all your work there on that. Thank you. All right, Cody, uh, let's have you jump over because I'm going to uh, ask you some more questions here about furnace. But before we do that, why don't you talk about your role at Seatown 2 and kind of what you do there? Yeah, so I'm the general manager of the heating division, kind of started the heating division out of Seatown um, just short of four years ago. Okay. Uh, started out as just an electrical company and then now turning into a full service company, um, but departmentalized. So Matt's on the electrical side, you know, I'm on the heating side. Right. You know, you're not going to have a, a plumber coming to your house doing a panel change or something along those lines. But, Very cool. Um, so yeah, I've just been doing that for the last four years. I've been in the heating industry for 12 years. I did install primarily for the first seven and then a um, little bit of sales, a little bit of service, and then kind of okay. running it. So you kind of, you cut your teeth as a heating technician and installer. Yeah. I was an installer for um, almost eight years. Nice. Well, both of you guys, that's great to hear. I, uh, I love the fact that you, I mean, you're, you're, you know, managing people now, but you came from the field, you know, working in the trades to really understand and know the backgrounds of these systems and, and, uh, kind of how things should be done correctly and how to train your employees. That's very, very important. So thank you, Cody, for that. I really appreciate it. All right. Um, I want to, I want to talk to you now, Cody, about just some common uh, furnace problems and some of the things that uh, happen when furnaces break down. Now you mentioned, (laughs) it seems like the first and most common one is dirty filters. Can you speak to that a little bit and kind of what it should be the regular uh, frequency of changing a filter out? Sure. Yeah. Just so everybody knows out there, your furnace system does have a filter. We'll start there for yep. sure. Um, a lot of people don't know or say, oh, mine doesn't. Um, it does. I promise you. Or it should. Um, and I mean, a one inch filter, you know, they have different, you know, multiple tubes of sizes, but as far as thickness and MERV ratings and stuff like that go, you know, if you're a one inch filter, you're going to be on the lower MERV rating side, which is kind of just how much can bypass through that filter. Um, you know, those should be changed usually every, every one to two months. I know everybody thinks that's an amazing amount of time, you know, but they get, they get dirty quick. Um, and then if you're a four inch thick filter, which is pretty common up here now, you know, four inch media filter, you can be, somewhere along the lines of, you know, at three to six months, kind of depending on. Yeah. And, and then you got to realize that a lot of people here don't have AC too. Right. So we're not talking about all year round. Right. A lot of times you're just talking about eight, nine months out of the year, you know, but twice, twice a year to three times a year should be at least for a four inch filter. Yeah. And then well, um, six times a year, probably at least yeah. for a one inch. And a lot of people have pets, which that <laughs> accelerates it as well with all the pet dander. Oh yeah. And everything makes it back to yeah. uh Everything makes it back to that filter for sure. That's so that's exactly there's right. All right. We come back. We're going to get through a lot of the other common furnace problems from cracked heat exchangers, 
blower uh, motors, blower belts, all that kind of stuff. You know, your pilot light goes out, or what if your pilot light's yellow? Uh, Cody's gonna, and Matt are going to help us with that. You can check them out at SeatownServices.com. With that, I am Pete. This is Home Matters, Sky Radio 97.3 FM, Seattle News, and Seattle's Talk. All right, we're back. This is Pete with Home Matters, Car Radio 97, 3 FM, Seattle's News, and Seattle's Talk. Guys, we, we're having a good discussion here with uh, C-Town. Do you guys go by C-Town Services or C-Town Electric? I, I, always, I always wonder, because it seems like you were C-Town Electric for a long time, but then maybe did you change your name? Yeah, when when we went to um, it changed a couple times actually. It was okay. Town Electric, then it was Town Electric Heating and Air. Okay, and, and then um, you know when we went to add plumbing and big and underground and stuff like that. Now it's just kind of services. It got to be too long for a yeah. commercial. You have you guys. Well, the nice thing is you guys are one stop shop. Really, people, you do white glove service. People can come to you. You take care of everything. One thing I, I love about it, I, I'm kind of old school. Um, you guys could see me and everybody knows I'm a little older on the air. Uh, your guy looks like uh, from the Jetsons, that car, uh, the cartoon, which is really kind of cool. I love your logo. Awesome. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> it's very catchy, you know? Yeah, it is. No, it's, it's yeah. very cool. Done so by guys, design. What was that, Matt? Uh, done by design by the marketing company. Yes. No, that yeah. was very, very cool. I, I really like it. And it is catchy. And Seatown uh, Services, it is. That's what we'll go by. Guys, I'll tell you what, if you haven't, didn't catch the first segment of the show, make sure you go to mynorthwest.com forward slash home matters. This podcast will be there in perpetuity. We're talking about furnace uh, service and things that can go wrong. We also talked about carbon monoxide uh, sensors, things that are, you know, the, the ones that are hardwired and also that are um, plugged in that are battery operated. But I'll tell you what. Anything related to uh, heating, safety, uh, they do AC, they do heat pumps, they do full electrical. Uh, if you have something going on in your home, these guys, they're best of breed. You guys know I only bring the best on my show. You want to give them a call at 206-202-3738. That's 206-202-3738. Or check them out at Seatown uh, Services. Dot com and Matt, if they go to, to go to your website, can they schedule an appointment up on the website there? Yeah, so there, well, typically there's someone on chat on the website that they can reach okay. out to. Uh, the person that's on chat is not directly attached to the schedule, but they will make sure that the person that is will reach out to them right away. Okay, so they can just basically chat whether they're on their phone or they're on a computer, and they'll get their their appointment scheduled up then. Yeah, that keeps it simple. That's what we want. All right. So, Cody, I want to go back to um, our list of kind of common furnace problems. You, you talked at, uh, in depth about dirty filters. Um, and obviously, we'll get – I know you guys do a maintenance plan, which makes it simple for all of us. So, I can just give you a call and you take care of it. But there are some other common problems that pop up. Could you, could you talk about heat exchangers in a furnace? Like, first of all, what does a heat exchanger do? And then – can you address maybe how does a, a person in their home, a homeowner, know if something has failed with the heat exchanger? 
Sure. So heat exchanger, what it does is you can almost look at it like the exhaust system in your car. Okay. The burned gases and the heat and the flames kind of go through those heat exchangers to heat up basically a piece of metal that the fan blows over. So pretty simple concept for the most part. And then out of that heat exchanger goes your burned gases. So like, again, in your exhaust for your car or something. Um, That being said, if the heat exchangers are cracked or have failed, and usually when people say failed, that's what they mean is cracked or separated from the cabinet. Um, that's going to leak that burned gases in through your duct system, which is ducted through your whole home. So it's going to every bedroom, living room, kitchen, so far, you know, so on and so forth. So it's forth. burning so. some of the unburned gases into through the ductwork into the home is what you're saying. Correct. Yep. And that's exactly why you have CO detectors and things like that. Uh, Carbon monoxide detectors to go off when that does happen. The unfortunate thing is that carbon monoxide detectors don't go off um, until there's a really heavy amount of CO in the home. Yeah, because CO settles to the floor, correct? Yeah, it's very heavy. Yep. So it kind of builds, you know, while we're all... Which is not good because the ducts are where? Up at the ceiling. (laughs) Right. Up at the ceiling or they could be in the floor, but you know, you're, you're... your head is five or six feet above the ground, you know, yeah. so your your knees don't know CO is happening, you know, yeah. until it kind of gets to your respiratory system. Yeah. And then it's and then half Dang the house it. is filled, you know. Yeah. yeah. Very, very um, and, and there's not really another way to know if they're cracked or not. And that's that's one of the most important things. What, about- when you say cracked now, what exactly cracks in the heat exchanger? What is cracking? So the heat exchanger is metal itself. And okay. um it, it cracks very similar. I hate to bring it back to cars again, but it, it cracks very similar to if you see an old exhaust system yeah. with kind of the rust spots in it and things like that, you know, it gets pitted. And after years and years of heating and cooling, heating and cooling, metal expanding, contracting, it separates. It's going to fail. Yeah. Yeah. And these are the, these are the fins you're talking about in the, in the heat exchanger, correct? Yeah, the heat exchanger itself, most of them now are kind of a tubular design. So there right. could be four or five or six tubes that kind of wind up through there. And um, the most common spots that they do crack or fail is going to be where they bend because the metal is actually physically thinner there, you know? Correct. So usually when you're looking for cracked heat exchangers, you're going to have pinpoint areas to look into. Um, it's not usually just all over. Which is good. I mean, that's what your technicians are trained to look for, which is... That's great there. So, yeah. yeah, I know back in the day, we used to affect an engineering. Those were fin devices. We called them pin fins, and we would have to calculate all this stuff in college back at Seattle University. So I get exactly what you're talking about. All right. So that's the cracked heat exchanger. Now, let's talk about uh, blower motors and blower belts. So, first of all, what is a blower motor? What's its function? And how can you tell if either the blower motor has failed or the belt is going? So the blower motor itself is going to be just the motor that spins the fan that creates the air that comes out of your ductwork. Okay. Very simply. So, so it's pushing it. It's a forced, forced air situation. The, correct. Yep. Yeah. So people say forced air, they're literally talking about that blower motor itself, you know, the whole blower compartment um, that fails. A lot of times that fails, you'll hear it kind of the windings and the bearings and stuff going out. Sometimes they get a little bit louder. Yeah. Uh, the most, the most common thing you're going to do is smell it. 
um, because that motor, those windings just start to get hot and they start to burn out. Burn. You get that yeah. electricals burn smell, right? <clears throat> totally. Yep. Yeah. And it go and it goes through the whole home again, you know, this is all ducted through your whole house. So it's yeah. very, very easy to kind of pinpoint and smell that, you know, any kind of a burning sensation you smell like that is nine times out of 10. It's yeah. the blower. Well, I'll tell you what guys, it, I know you've all experienced this. If you've had, if you've been a homeowner for a few years. So if you're standing at your house and you're going, what's that smell? I think you should give C-Town service. <laughs> The call. Fair enough. <laughs> and I'll give that number. It's 206-202-3738 because I have experienced that same smell. So I know exactly what, what you're talking about there, Cody. All right. Now, before we end this segment, let's talk about pilot lights because pilot lights and electronic ignition. And could you speak to like, like what that does? And then the pilot light, what color should it be? And if it goes out and it won't come back on, then what do people do? Sure. So pilot lights are going to be common in fireplaces and things like that. Uh, not so common in gas furnaces anymore, okay. really at all. Uh, if you have a pilot light in a gas furnace, you're probably up there in age, I would say at least 25, 30 years old. So probably time to replace the, the furnace. <laughs> Pro- probably time to maybe give us a call and see what yeah. happens. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So, <laughs> uh, you know, most, most commonly now is either, um, spark ignition, but even more, more commonly is called hot surface ignition. So, or HSI, you know, is what a tech will refer as it to, but the, uh, the hot surface ignition literally just is a piece of silica carbide. You know, it looks like a little piece of metal that heats up red hot, you know, just like your electric stove would. And uh, when the gas goes by that, it's hot enough to actually ignite it. Ignite it. Okay. Yeah. And that's probably the most common thing that fails on a gas furnace these days is the igniter. So basically, if they are not from a customer standpoint, because they're not going to be able to see in there until the technician comes. So basically, if they're just not getting the heat out of the system, is that their, their indication that maybe the igniter is bad? Yeah, the most the most common call we get for an igniter being bad or or that's what we think is happening is that my furnace is blowing cold air. Okay. And and it's not that your furnace is blowing cold air, it's just blowing air. On heated air. <laughs> yeah. Right, right. Because so that it's moving, it feels cooler than you yeah. think it would. Yeah. And um, most commonly that just means that the igniter has has failed. Got it. All right. Thanks, Cody. When we come back, we're gonna finish up with Cody on uh discussion on clog burners. Frequent cycling, like if your furnace is cycling too frequently and maybe uh, uh, about limit switches. And then we're going to move over and we're going to talk to Matt because I guarantee you guys, we are still in winter. We're still going to have another huge windstorm. It's coming. It comes every year once or twice in the Seattle Pacific Puget uh, Sound area. We're going to talk about generators uh, with Matt and getting those installed and kind of what that all entails with C-Town Services. Give them a call at 206-202-3738 or visit them at ctownservices.com. With that, I'm Pete. This is All Matters, Car Radio 97.3 FM, Seattle's News and Seattle's Talk. All right, we're back. This is Pete with All Matters, Car Radio 97.3 FM. Seattle's news and Seattle's talk. We're having a good discussion with Cody Martin and Matt Ryder from Seatown Services. Uh, where, guys, I was going to ask you, Matt, where's your office at? Where's your like main office? Or do you have offices all over the Seattle area? Well, we're, we're right now we're kind of split up between a few different locations because we just keep growing and outgrowing okay. the places that we're in. Uh, right now, our main office is in Mukilteo, 
Okay. And then the office that we were in is still over in Everett. Um, so some of the office staff is there, someone's here, uh, but we're in the process of finishing the construction here at Malcolm to where everyone can be in one facility. So you, are you guys up off the speedway there? <laughs> or where? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. So we, you go past the street, but you actually go right past Boeing. Yeah. Uh, like okay. you're heading, uh, we're kind of in that industrial area there, right before you yeah. turn to head down towards the ferries. Yeah, good. I know that area very well. I used to live in uh, Fifth Avenue, downtown Muggleteal, back when Taylor's used to be there in the old post office. <clears throat> oh, right on. Yeah, way, way back in the day. That's, That's a awesome. good area. Love that area, Muggleteal. All right, uh, Cody, I want to get back to, uh, before we jump in with Matt over on uh, generators, I want to talk to you. So um, can you talk about, because another one that I've had too, and I know a lot of people have, is this thing where the furnace just cycles and cycles and cycles, and it seems like it just doesn't ever turn off. So could you talk about like what causes that uh, and how to fix that? Yeah, totally. So there's a couple things that can cause that. Um, the most common issue for short cycling is actually going to be the furnace is oversized. Oh, really? um, hmm. Yeah. So you put a too large of a furnace and too small of a home or something like that, or you don't do the heat load calculation correctly. And um, what happens is your furnace will satisfy, you know, the thermostat prematurely basically so where the thermostat is is heated properly but then where the ductwork goes you know some of the furthest duct runs are like your bedrooms and things like this so you go to your bedroom it feels freezing cold but your living room's you know a awesome 70 degrees yeah um that's that's the probably the biggest problem with short cycling but if you're talking about short cycling where your furnace has been running fine and now it's having issues um traditionally it's overheating itself and it's hitting something called a high limit safety um, so what will happen is the furnace gas will shut down, but the fan will continue to blow. And that's another one where you hear, Hey, my furnace is blowing cold air. And when in fact, it's just blowing air thinking that it's cooling the heat exchanger back down because it's thought it's gotten too hot. Good. Great explanation. I love it. Now I want to ask you one other question, just because a lot of people always wonder about this when you're talking about heat, uh, exchange through a duct. What do you get? What kind of heat loss do you get for long runs on ducts? Like a percentage? So that that's a really good question. That's actually really depends on how well they're insulated and how well yeah. they're sealed. You know, um, I mean, just right online from EPA and all these websites and things like that. You know, it says you can lose up to twenty to thirty percent of your yeah. duct. Uh, and leakage. And then you can also lose up to 20 to 30% on top of that with uninsulated duct work. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard for a bad is 40 to 50%. So you're right on, you're right in that. Yeah. Right. When you combine them together, you know, and a lot of our duct work is in either attics or crawl spaces, which is the yeah. coolest parts of the, you know, they're, they're cold outside, you know, it's basically essentially outside duct work. So it really needs to be sealed yeah. and insulated. properly. So do you, do you guys address that when you're maintenance? Do you look at the duct work? Totally. Yeah. We look okay. at the duct work. So you yeah, look at actually, all systems. That's good. Yeah, we actually have an indoor air quality specialist that we're kind of um, redesigning the position and building out right now to go through things just like that. Because, we, you know, everybody puts in these top quality systems here and then you're putting top quality systems on insufficient ducting, which really is kind of a backwards idea. Yeah, it really kind of is. And then you're in a you're in all these sealed up homes. So IAQ becomes a huge issue now. So I'm glad you guys have someone on staff that can handle that. Yeah, absolutely. man. All right. One last thing. Uh, talk about clog burners. What is, what is a burner? Why does it clog? And is there a way a customer could tell if they have a clog burner? 
so a clogged burner is going to be where the gas and the flames come out of. Um, and you know, it's kind of like your, your combustion for your furnace right there. Right. Um, a clogged burner is usually going to be from, from burning, not so much dirty gas, but not burning it properly. Um, okay. you know, they start, get, they start to get clogged up and then your flames don't burn properly. They have what's called a rollback. And, um, the, the worse the flames burning, the faster the soot builds up and kind of clogs yeah. up those burners. Got it. Um, just makes the furnace much less efficient, you know? So does a customer see that as an increased heating bill? Is that kind of how it plays out? Yeah. Increased heating bill because your furnace is going to have longer run times without right. satisfying as right. much, you know, your heat, your heat. Um, gain is not going to be as great as it was before. Yeah. It's not making it where it needs to. Yeah. That's awesome. We're going to have a whole discussion about heat transfer with you, Cody, on a future show. I'm a, I think there's, there's some good education that could happen here. So thank you for all those explanations. Now, Cody, I want to ask you uh, before we move over to mount on generators. So, okay. Uh, service plan. So we've talked about the common problems. How do you, what kind of plan do you have a maintenance plan? How do you make it easy for people just to take care of all this? Yeah. So we have something that we call an SPP. It's a C-Town partner plan. Okay. Um, and there's many different ways you can go about the partner plan. There's many different price points ranging anywhere from like 200 to 250 all the way up to, you know, 425. Okay. And, um, on the, you know, you can either have, you know, cause many people have different kind of systems. You can either have a gas furnace. You can also have a heat pump with that or an air conditioner with that. Um, you can have, you know, we can tie in electrical and plumbing to that as well. So our partner plans actually include all three, um, divisions. Sometimes if, you know, everybody has a water heater in their house, everybody has a panel in their house. A lot of people don't know that you need those panels and water heaters serviced as well. And so we kind of tie those in all together sometimes just as a full service deal. Uh, that's that's very simple. And what do you guys do? You come out like once a year, twice a year? What do you do? How do you, how does So that... yeah, it depends on which plan you go with. So okay. the, the least expensive of the plans is going to be if you just have a, a regular furnace with nothing else. And that would usually be one time a year, just kind of right before the cooling season hits sometime in about, you know, or the heating season hits some usually in about October or so. Um, and then on the, you know, on the heating season or on the cooling season, when we go to do the AC maintenances, we usually come out, you know, about April or May, um, right before you start to need that system. That way we, you know, you don't go to start it up and, oh, Hey, it just doesn't work. So, okay. That's good. So 200, about 450, depending on the plan and the frequency. And I do want to stress guys, even though we're in the dead of winter and it's not October, it's not too late to have these guys come out and I would imagine Cody, you know, do the service and maintenance on your, on your furnace now. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The only thing that we really can't do or don't like to do is AC maintenance other than when it's, you know, it's got to be really above 60 or 65 degrees yeah. to do it properly. Yeah. So. But for heating, since we're talking about heating, you now, can do it any now, time of year. Now's yeah. a good time. Yeah. And especially absolutely. now, now's a good time. All right. Now. Okay. So let's say my furnace is near end of life. I've had the furnace 15, 20 years. I hear some things going on. I've had, maybe I've had it serviced <laughs> a couple times to that time. Cause that's typically what these people do. So now we're talking about furnace replacement. What, what kinds of brands do you guys carry uh, for furnace replacement? So our, our furnace replacement brand is going to be American standard pretty much primarily. Okay. Um, and that's, a uh, that's associated with train. They come out of the same factory. So a lot of people kind of know both of them and ask, Hey, what's the difference? Uh, extremely similar, but okay. American standard is going to be what we use on that end. And then we also do Mitsubishi electric. And why did um, you, what did you choose those as brands? Just top quality and, uh, 
we get a lot of really good support. I'd say that's the biggest thing is the support from the reps in our area. Um, not that you need them all the time, but when you do need them, they're there. And uh, that makes a big difference when you're dealing with mechanical equipment. There can be things that happen that that's not even of your fault. You know, something happened, damage and shipping or you yeah. know, mechanical equipment. So, and with electronics, so all kinds of things can happen. Yeah. So getting parts readily available and having the, uh, you know, having it close by and right in your area is very important. I don't want to have somebody with no heat and I have to ship a part out and it takes a week to get here. You know, I need it now. Yeah, that, that would not be good. But no, we want them now. So we, yeah. uh, we built those relationships with our reps to make sure that that's available and happens for us. Okay. Plus our vans and trucks are fully stocked with most parts that you need. So, okay. um, so when they're coming out and doing service, they can fix it on the spot on the on site. Usually. On site. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That's cool. Now, what are we talking now before I ask about kind of the cost of or cost range, do you find a lot when you're coming to replace a furnace that you may have to do something with the ductwork too, since we're talking about a systems problem or system solution here? Yeah. So I would say a, a lot of the times there are things that you could and should do like better sealing and insulating of the ducting, but it's not like I'm, I'm going to twist your arms. It's not required. Start, you know, okay. yeah, I'm going to, you know, we're definitely going to offer it and we're definitely going to bring it up to your attention. Um, and then whether you want to do that is up to you or not, but we just want to try to educate that. Do you, do you have a way Cody when they're out there and doing, whether it's a service or it's a furnace replacement uh, to measure the actual heat leakage or heat loss in a duct system? We do. Yeah. We have a duct pressure test machine where we go out and uh, seal off every single register in your home. And um, it pumps it up to a certain amount of air pressure. And that will tell us how much leakage uh, is there. And then there's a pass and a fail point that, that we can even print out for you and leave on site. Okay, perfect. So that way you at least are educating the customer on here's why we would need to maybe up, update your ductwork. You have a way to show them that. Absolutely. And that, that way it's not just word of mouth or, Hey, I think, I think this kind of needs to be done. It's a very calculated number. Data is always good. No, that's a good thing. That's very cool. And then before we end the furnace segment here, what, so like, I know it's, it's kind of different for different homes, different systems, but what are we talking about? Like for price range for a, a furnace replacement? Yeah, I'd say a pretty basic furnace replacement. If you have a gas furnace, like for like change out or something along those lines can be anywhere from, you know, six to $8,000. And that's with permitting and everything out the door, you know, that's tax taxes, everything included. So, uh, and then if you're doing something like a, you know, a high efficiency heat pump or something or an electric furnace with a heat pump, you know, you could be upwards of 15, $20,000 pretty easily. Yeah. Um, but then you're talking about much, much lower. Uh, bills monthly. Usually. Yeah. And that's a future show. We're going to get into all that, you know, with heat pumps and things like that. I do want to ask one last thing though. If you're talking about, let's say six to 10, do you guys have financing available for people? We absolutely do. Yeah. We have multiple different financing options, yeah. uh, anywhere from 18 months to 48 months, you know, got it. Got it. Got and it. and everybody can always get their own financing as well, but you know, uh, yeah. we have multiple different really good Make plans. Yeah. All right. You heard it here. If you want to get your furnace uh, taken care of, now's the time uh, or a furnace replacement. Give them a call at 206-202-3738 or go to ctownservices.com. We come back. We're going to have a big discussion now with Matt, uh, Matt Ryder over there on the electrical side of things. We're going to talk about generators. We, we know we have a windstorm coming. We just don't know when it is. With that on Pete, this is All Matters. Car Radio 97, 3 FM, Seattle's News and Seattle's Talk. All right, we're back. This 
is Pete with All Matters, Car Radio 97, 3FM in the great state of Seattle. All right, we got a great discussion here with uh, the the fellows over at Seatown Services. I know this company's been around for a long, long time. Cody, what when did when did uh, I know because we talked about your name change? When did Seatown Services actually start? How many years ago was it? I want to say actually it was just uh, December 2015. Oh, really? I thought you guys yeah. were around a lot longer than that. It, it seems like that. No, we're just growing really, really fast. Just really fast. Well, yeah, that tells you you're doing a lot of things right. And the key thing, you know, I mentioned you mentioned this off air is finding good quality people. You know, they want to join your team and work with you in the long term. I know that's a challenge. Always a challenge, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but you're up for the task, right? <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. So you guys, if you're listening, anybody out there, if you guys, you know, if you're a good technician and uh, you're looking for a place to call home that's a family-operated business, um, give these guys a call. If Can they call that 206 number and ask for you, Cody, and kind of get hooked up with you if there's someone out yeah. there looking? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, the office has direct contact to me at all times. Okay. So, guys, if you're a technician out there, man or woman, and uh, you know your stuff and you've got your training certification, you want to work for a great company like Seatown Services, call them at 206-202-3738. And, uh, Matt, are you looking on your side of the fence, too? For electricians? Yeah. Always. Okay. We're always on the lookout for them. So, and to be honest, on the electrical side, of course, we love licensed guys guys that have already gone through all that. But to be honest, one of our favorite things to do at this point is to take someone brand new, green, never worked a day in their life in this field and yeah. take them up and take them through the years and get them all that training, get them to the point where we have them card out. Because at this point, we're we're in the double digits, well, not triple digits, double digits of guys that have gone from pure green apprentice to licensed journeyman. That's awesome. That's been the, one of the coolest. And I'll tell you ever. what, you know what? Here's a great idea because we've had um, we had J Dog out. Uh, they're um, a great company in the Seattle area. They do like junk removal, but they hire a lot of uh, ex military guys. So, guys, if you're a if you're a military and you're coming out of the service and you want to uh, train uh, to be an electrician through the apprenticeship, I guess Matt, all the way up. That sounds yep. like a great idea to me. So, yeah, we definitely have more than one guy that served. Uh, previously working here, some guys, uh, one of the guys that just got his license here recently was, yeah, the vet, which is really cool. Yeah, it is. Well, it is cool. And, and not only that, but we talked a lot about that. You know, people coming out of the military, they're very process oriented. They're very disciplined. They, you know, there's a lot of good qualities there that you don't have to teach, so to speak, right? Because they get that military right. training, which is great. All right. Um, now, Matt, I want to talk to you because we know, you know, we always have, I lived in Whidbey Island and I can tell you, I lived there, what, eight, nine, ten years. And every single year, there always was one or two times the ferry boat shut down because there was a windstorm. We couldn't get across. So I had to drive all the way up and come all the way down through Oak Harbor. So we yeah. know we have windstorms wherever it is in the Seattle area. So, uh, And I'll tell my story in a little bit, but I want to talk about generators. So could you talk about, like um, – and even in the Seattle uh, urban area, why is it a good idea to get a generator and talk about the generators you carry? And I'm not talking about like the little gas ones you buy at the big block, big box stores. I'm talking more about these automated systems. So can you speak to that a little bit, Matt? Well, yeah, I mean, for the record, we, we do do both systems. Okay. So all, all options are on there. And of course, there are some new systems coming out Um with solars and batteries and all that kind of stuff. But the number one system we definitely do, like you just mentioned, is the not the one you go down by 
uh, at the store. It's the one that's a standby. It's the one that's sitting on the side of your house. It's waiting and constantly watching and monitoring the utility. So as soon as the power gets kicked off, within a few seconds, it's back up and running in your house. So like what you said, you had a you know, not pleasant experience with the children out there on Libby Island. Uh, it would have not even registered on your family's, you know, life, daily life if you had a generator. Because yeah. the power would have turned off and in less than 10 seconds, it would have been back up and running. So the systems are really nice uh, for a lot of folks, both um, people that are, I think, honestly, this is the last two years we've installed the most systems we ever have because wow. everyone's, everyone's home, everyone's working, and people can't take time off. Yeah. And and they're also schooling from home. So you got like everyone's home has just became a, a city center, basically. Um, and so we've been putting them in like uh, as fast as we possibly can, as fast as we can get them from the manufacturers. Um, so it's really nice. That system, the one that you mentioned earlier that you go buy down the big box store, uh, is nice because it keeps you running, but it doesn't really give you much uh, features or too much. It's basically kind of bare bones, right? So the small system, you plug it in, you fuel it up, you kind of have to be a little bit of an engineer yourself and, uh, you know, not mind a little sweat equity and, uh, get up and go take care of it. Yeah. Now keep the fridge on. If you have a gas fridge, I can keep that on, uh, lights, if you internet and little things like that. But for a lot of people, they want a system where they don't have to touch it. They don't have to think about it. You know, to heaven forbid they're on vacation or traveling for work. They don't have to worry about their freezer, you know, full of whole elk or whole right. deer going bad. So a lot of folks go for the standby systems, which range in size. So just like in the portal options, the standby systems, you have a range of sizes. So you can actually have a standby generator that isn't really that much bigger than the one you go down by at the store. So for the people that, again, don't want, you know, they don't want every bell and whistle. They don't want to spend their whole budget on this one thing. They just want those bare essentials. They can have it and they can have it with that standby automatic system. And the other nice thing about these systems is as soon as the power turns back on, it immediately flips it right back over. So there's not this... Yeah, we, we tell our customers all the time, if you're going for this style of setup, it's not even push button or turn key. You literally don't touch it. It's automated. Yeah. Yeah. Everything's up. So by the time we're done uh, showing up and done the install, hook everything up to gas, make sure everything's passed inspections and everything functional and automated and working, we, we set it from a manual mode to an automatic mode. And from there on out, you don't have to touch it. And the yeah. really cool thing now is most, because to be honest, we tend to install the manufacturer of Generac. Because at this point in the market, they have the best warranties, they have some of those products. Um, you know, if someone's already bought something else, we don't mind installing it, but we, we tend to install Generax. And one of the really cool things about Generax is they have this built-in, what's called mobile link or Wi-Fi enable monitoring. Mm. So we don't even have to actually show up to your house. I can... From, so you monitor remotely then? Yeah. So from, wow. from our offices, we can actually check in. Uh, it updates it like every 15 minutes. Now we're not, you know, like a security company or a bank, we're not checking every right. second, but we right. check, check on them daily. And basically, if there's an issue with the generator, even if it's in the middle of summertime, we can know right away that, hey, you know what, we need to get someone out over to so-and-so's house. And if the issue is actually really uh, minor, we can actually remote sometimes clear the issue without having to send someone out. So, so it's more of a control system. You might be able to uh, reset it and get it to work again. Is that what you're yeah. saying? Yeah. And so it's, it's really nice. So we have a lot of customers, again, their peace of mind is, to do because Generac offers really nice warranties, really nice long warranties, you know, kind of above average warranties. We match that with our labor warranties, and then we have this a way of checking in on the system without even physically yeah. being there. Well, how so, so bad? And th- this is all great. And I'll tell you what. I, here's the thing: 
you guys, and this is me. This is not Matt or Cody. I'll tell you what, you if you're going to go down and buy one of those gasoline ones, you go out in the cold winter rain there to try to fire that thing up and pull the, pull the rope. <laughs> touch, you're going to go, screw that. I'm going to do this automated. Yeah. Make, make sure you stretch your shoulder before you go Yeah, outside. exactly. Yeah. Uh, After it, you it, dislocate it, your shoulder. Yeah. Well, to be, to be truthful, to be honest, actually, a lot of the systems now are actually push to start. So yeah, they have, they have start, run yeah. a little bit easier. But the thing is, is most people store that inside, right? Because yeah. even though it's designed to be outside, it's not meant for permanent use. Kind of like your car, you park in the garage, it keeps it. It keeps but you it don't want to run it in your garage. I mean, that's a no, no, no. You're going to kill it. That, that carbon dioxide, like we talked about earlier, is not good. Yeah. So what happens is most people don't realize, even though it's a um, more budget friendly, upfront way of having power, is once the what happens when the power actually goes off. Right. Yeah. So when the power actually goes off, you have to, wherever you are, let's say you're heaven forbid in the bathroom, it's dark now. Now, most people have phones with them, yeah. so they're not completely, you know, lost, but they have to go out, get the door open, get the thing outside, fuel it in, plug in all that kind of stuff. So you're, you're talking about a serious amount of time and energy to be able to get power again, where yeah. with the standby system, heaven forbid you're in the shower and the power goes off, it comes right back on. Yeah. Well, I'll so tell you what, guys. different experience. Yeah, exactly. Well, I'll tell you what, my vote is is uh, is automatic. I don't want to pick that dang thing up. I don't want to take it outside. I just want it on a pad out there and have it automatically come on and turn off. That's the way to go. Uh, guys, we, we've run out of time. Matt, it was great to have you on. Thank you for the thank education you. on the generators. Cody, thank you for the furnace uh, education. I really appreciate it. Um, very Thanks much. For having us. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, guys, uh, Cody Martin, Matt Ryder, anything, I mean, Seatown does everything. But if you need some furnace maintenance, they have maintenance plans. You heard about that furnace replacement. We're going to talk about heat pumps in a future show. Check them out at seatdownservices.com. With that, I'm Pete. This is Home Matters, Cover Radio 97 3 FM, Seattle News and Seattle's Talk.